Alan asked me, he says, well, how much time do you need? And I said, well, I don't know. I can, I'd, I'd preach as long as you give me the time to preach, I guess. <clears throat> I've got an hour and 15 minutes. About an hour and a half. Well, this is a... <clears throat> this is a message on, on lift, lift your first love. And uh, I prayed about this for quite a while. I was just asking God for direction as to what, what do you want me to preach on? What, what direction do you want to give me? And... Uh, so he led me to this, but then I said, well, Lord, I haven't really spent much time in this passage of Scripture. And uh, so I was having to catch up on a lot of stuff and do some research and, and try to find out what God really wanted me to say. <clears throat> and let me just kind of introduce it uh, this way. And, and, and I'll pray that my words will be soaked in compassion for the word of God and for him that everything that I say would honor him magnify his name um, not me but uh, <clears throat> the Ephesus church was was a tremendous powerhouse in the word of God <clears throat> they they had Paul in giving him, he spent three years in Ephesus to teach these people, and, and they were sound in doctrine, very sound in doctrine. They, somewhat of a history, hist historical background on Ephesus is that uh, they had a, a, the greatest harbor in Asia Minor. It was <clears throat> called the... Um, the gateway to Asia. And uh, it had four trade routes through Ephesus. So it was not only a, a, a city whereby there's a lot of commerce and a big city, but uh, they also had a, a goddess, Diana. And it was referred to as the seventh wonder of the world at that period of time. And so it drew a lot of people who uh, were tourists, and they wanted to find out something about this great wonder, and so they would come. And, and so there was a great deal of idolatry that was in Ephesus. <clears throat> and because of their strong faith in the Lord, because of their 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 upbringing, if you want to call it, in the scriptures, they stood firm against this, these trials of, uh, of goddessness, of Idina. It is spoken of in the first uh, verse there that Jesus is walking, that, that word there, is an interesting word, is par e paheho. It means it's in the present tense, and he is walking through the churches. He is continually walking through the churches. 
of all times and of all ages. Does that mean that he walks through this church? He says he walks through all the churches, and I would say without a shadow of a doubt that he visits this church and walks through, and the reason why he walks through these churches is that he scrutinizes the churches. He critiques them. He sees whether or not they are falling, where they stand before him, whether they are strong in the faith, do they love him. There's, there's lots of things that the Lord does give us. And, and see, he speaks to the, the messenger of the church, which at that time I'm really not sure and not too many people know. You had Titus. You had Antiochus and you had John, the apostle, that were pastors of this church. But who was the pastor at the time? I don't know. And I haven't been able to find that out. But the point being is that he ministers to the pastor and he gives him some insight. And whether that's through visiting missionaries or preachers that come to that particular place to inform the pastor hey listen I don't know if you're aware of this but there are some problems in your church Jesus Christ is the head of the church he's the head of the body so when we talk about the head of the body that means that everything comes from him He's the director of our pastor as he begins to preach a message. He doesn't do it in the flesh. He does it in the spirit. God gives him the book that he wants him to preach because God has a purpose for the book to be preached at a particular time. Unless he has a, I don't think you do, a direct line to God to find out what is that he needs to preach but yet in a sense he does because it is the spirit of God that ministers to him there are three main points that I want to be able to share with you here today is that the first point is the Ephesus commendation in honoring our Lord he commends them that they did everything According to his name's sake. I, I, you know, I, as I looked at this passage of scripture, the thing that hit me was, <clears throat> what is the difference between his name's sake and you've left your first love? <clears throat> and that hit me pretty well squarely between the eyes. And so I said, boy, I, I don't know. And so I began to start doing some digging to find out what would be the difference between those two phrases. So I challenge your thinking then today that you may think about what is the difference between those two phrases. And I'm going to try to give you an answer to that question. But I'm going to drag it out. (laughs) I'm going to lead you so that you may stop and think, and as I lead you, you're going to think along the way. Someone asked me one time, 
why is that your preaching always causes people to be, I don't know what. I said, think. And he goes, yeah, that's what it is. Why you cause, uh, yes, I feel like that is one of my important uh, areas of ministry of the word of God is that if I want to share something with you, I want to share it so that you will think about what I'm saying. And I want you to think about it when you go home. I want, I want it to be something that grips you. I want it to be something that you have to ponder on and think about. I want it to be something that becomes a part of you. So the second thing is condemnation. The second point I want to be able to just get in giving you an overview of, of what we're going to share here this morning is that there's a condemnation, the fact that they had left their first love. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say to you that this is very serious with our Lord. This is very serious. This is a serious thing. I mean, what is he, why does he become so upset because we left our first love? Is, isn't there some other reason? I mean, is there something behind this? And yes, there is. And, and I want to unfold that before you're hearing as well. So these two major statements that are being made, you have left your, I mean, you have uh, for my name's sake, and you have left your first love, are two major statements within this passage of Scripture that he has spoken to them in. Well, the last point that I want to be able to bring to you is the commencing of judgment. <clears throat> the commencing of judgment. If you do not repent, this is what is going to happen. There is no recollection. I was reading what John Goth, MacArthur, John, 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 someone help me, John MacArthur, here we go, what John MacArthur had said on that, and he said that they didn't repent. And they were removed, and there, so there's no evidence of the Ephesus church. You know, that's a sad thing. A sad thing because these people were powerhouses in the Lord. And God said, this one thing, if you don't do, I'm going to remove you. That's, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Well, let's, let's turn to Revelation, the second chapter. Starting with the first verse, and I want to read to the fifth verse, and if you wouldn't mind, stand with me in honor of his word. <clears throat> to the angel or messenger of the church of Ephesus write, These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works and your labor 
your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them to be liars. And, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You may be seated. Father, this is a really, in some ways, a disturbing passage of Scripture. Because it disturbs our souls, it disturbs our minds. Because we think, oh, I, I, I might be guilty of this. And what if I am guilty of this? What, what does that mean in relationship to me? And what am I supposed to do in order for me to be able to to be in good standing with my Lord so that he doesn't remove me? Well, Father, I pray that you may speak through your messenger here this morning. That you may give me the ability to exegete this passage of scripture to share what is on your heart what you want your people to hear let me not say anything that is amiss let me only say those things that brings you honor and glory may may your name be magnified And may we not leave your love. May we bask in it this morning. Help us, Father, to be the type of church that magnifies you and not us. I pray that the flow of what your spirit is and who your spirit does in us will flow from us throughout to each other. Love, good works, and the meeting together. So, Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for what they stand. And... And it's always good for us to to be alerted about passages of Scripture as this so that we would examine our hearts to see if we measure up 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first thing I want to share with you in regards to verses 3 and 5, and that's going to be my text, is verses 3 and 5. And this word that is used that, that the New American Standard Version, the New King James Version, and some other versions use, they say persevere. And really the word is... Bostadso. And bostadso means to bear, to carry. And when you say carrying, you see, it's carrying the truth. They're carrying the truth in such a way that they're not letting it slip through their hands. They're carrying the truth in such a way that, that they're not dropping it. They're not, they're not Sharing things that aren't truth. There's not error in what they study to be right. They are not deviating from the truth of God's word. This is commendable. This is very commendable. And it's done for the sake of Christ. So, Bostatso is... Carrying, and if you, it, I think I understand why the New King James, I mean, the, uh, the New King James and the New American Standard Version uses persevere, because I think that what the concept is, is persevering to carry. Having a perseverance in carrying the Word of God. See, that's what we are. We're carriers of the Word of God. And, and God's saying that we must be very careful and carrying in the word of God. We must be careful not to deviate from the truth of God's word. We must be very careful about that. But you know, when I think about that, there's a, there's a passage of scripture that came to my mind when I was thinking about carrying. Was the, was the, the situation with David and the ark. Do you remember that? They were transporting the ark of God and they put it on a cart. You remember that? Well, let, let me, let me uh, help you understand this because this is just the opposite of what is taking place with the Ephesus church. But I, it's, sometimes it's good to get a contrast there so that you can see how that you ought not to do that. And then you have a contrast of what you ought to do. So you have two oughts. So I, I want you to know what you ought to do and what you ought not to do. Okay. And so you have David and he is, uh, he is transporting, he wants to transport the ark of God, the most holy thing that is in Israel is the ark of God. You don't touch it. That is a no-no. You touch it, you're dead. That's how serious it is. That's how serious it is to understand the holiness of God. That God is awesomely holy. It's not a flippant thing that we handle 
the holy word of God. We don't handle it flippantly. We deal with it with great respect because it's God's word. And that's why we must handle it carefully. But there was a prescribed way in which you're to carry the ark. It was God's design. You see, you don't come along and say, well, I think, God, I think that I'll have a different design. You know? I mean, that's old stuff. Let's have a new design, all right? No, not good. Well, look at with me Exodus 25. 14 to 15 and Numbers 4:15. And you need to understand that when there is a deviation here, it blasphemes God. Because you to speak of or act disrespectfully or rail against God's word is disrespectful. And so anytime that you deviate from God's word, it is disrespectful. Anytime that you live contrary to what God said for you to live is disrespectful. And it's not only what you do, but it causes people to blaspheme God. Because you said you're a Christian. You said that you belong to Christ. And if you don't live that way, that's a discredit because, see, you're an ambassador of Christ Jesus. People are looking at you. You're a book. And they're reading you. So the verse of Scripture says, You shall put the poles in the rings... On the sides of the ark. Now that's not too difficult to understand now is it? To carry the ark with them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be moved from it. Now notice Numbers 4.15. And when Aaron and his sons have made an end of the covering of the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary. When the camp is to set forward and afterwards the, I'm going to pronounce this, I think it's kithothes. Kithothes. Help me there, Dennis. Okay. He said, go after it. Sorry about that. I'm sorry those people that are hearing that. They just have that thing going in their ears. The Koaths, I'll say that way, shall come to carry it, but they shall not touch my holy things, lest they die. Okay? That's clear enough, is it not? Now, we know that King David in 2 Samuel 3, 6, 3. In 2 Samuel 6, 3, he called, what was it, 35,000 
chose, chose, chosen men to come. He called the priests to come. This is going to be a great day. This is a parade. This is a time of worship. This is going to be honoring to God. Yes. Now you would think that the priests, when they saw the ark of God and they saw the poles, it should have reminded them because see, every priest or every child that's born in, in uh, Israel had to, re- had to memorize the Pentateuch. Huh? They had to memorize it, whether you're a priest or not. You had to memorize it. That was one of the requirements. So they should have looked at that and said, oh, we can't have a cart. This, we, that's, this is God's design. This is God's word. We can't have a cart. But they didn't. They, you probably will look in and say, well, listen, you know, we're probably going to have a different design. We can, we can do a different way. I, say, I call it the new cart worship. You know, the new cart worship. All right, let's go. We got mag wheels on it, and we got streamers, and, and I mean, we've got everything that we got lights on it, it's flashing, and man, this is a great new cart. Everybody ought to get one of these because it is the standard thing for worship. But see, you deviate from the word of God. It is not worship. It does not honor him, is not going to glorify him, and is not for his name's sake. In other words, God is not going to put his stamp of approval on it. It's not for his name's sake. Well, okay, God. I mean, shoot. I mean, I sure like that card. That's a good thing, you know. No. You mishandle the holy word of God and God will be sure that you will answer for it. Especially when you have many other people that are involved in it. If you are drawing so many, such a great crowd of people to come for an event like this and you mishandle the word of God, that's not good. God is not pleased. Why should God say, okay, I'll let this happen. I know your hearts are pure. I know you really, you really want to honor me. Yeah, go ahead. Take the cart. I'll honor that. No. And some, some people, I've heard some people say, and some commentaries I read, they said that the poles were not in the rings of the ark. Now, let me ask you something. They did not say that if you touch the ark, you die. Isn't that not right? If there was not the poles in the ark, how in the world did they get it on the cart? If, they, if there was no poles in the ark, that means they had to handle the ark and put it on the cart. That means there were a bunch of priests that died that day. 
it had the poles in the ark. Now, gee, some little child could have walked by and said, uh, there's poles in the ark. Why are you guys putting it on the cart? Don't take much sense to know. It's just obvious. Sometimes there's things that you, that you know God is telling you to do, and it's just obvious. I mean, you don't really need all that much insight into it. You know you're not supposed to lie. I mean, that's just obvious now. If you're a child of the Lord, you know you're not supposed to lie. You know you're not supposed to steal. You know that thing that you just had your heart set on is not the thing that you just need to take. Put it in your pocket and walk off and say, Thank you, Lord. I'm glad that you allowed me to steal it this one time. No. There's never a time that you can deviate from the truth of God. Never a time. So therefore... It says in 2 Samuel 6, 3. They placed the ark of God on the new cart. That they might bring it from the house of Abinadab. Which was in the hill of Uzziah. Elho and the sons of Abinadab were leading the new cart. Uzziah is a priest. Okay. And so they go along, and David is dancing before the Lord, and there is instruments that are playing, and, and boy, everybody's having a great time. And then all of a sudden, the ark began to move like the oxen stumbled, and the ark will look like it was going to fall. And with good intentions, Uzziah puts his hand out to stop it from falling, and God Kills him. And God put rain on their parade. No longer were they interested in worshiping God now. Man, everything. Death. Death kills worship. No matter what form of death that you're talking about, death will kill worship. And... Everybody said, what happened? Why is God mad? What provoked him to anger? Because you deviated from the truth. God's design for carrying the ark was not the way you're supposed to do it. And so death took place. Now listen, folks, let me tell you something. Death is going to take place when you deviate from the truth of God's word. In one form or another, you're going to die. Sometimes it is just going backwards in your walk with the Lord. Sometimes it is not proceeding forward. You end up going backward. There's a death that way. Sometimes there's a death to the body. There's cold, orthodox worship. You know, that's a death. When it says that uh, God became angry, through moss and through moo, 
are two words that are associated with this. Thumos is a word where it talks about it's a it's a anger that is musing. It's an anger that is building up. And God is watching this whole this whole scenario. They put the ark on. And they're carrying it. They're dancing before him. And the anger of God is just musing up inside of him. He's getting angrier and angrier. And it's like him saying, you guys better stop or something will happen. And then Thumu is a poof, an explosion of anger. And God just exploded with anger. And Uzziah dies. Well, gee, God, why'd you get so angry? I mean, couldn't you have dealt with the situation a little bit nicer? Now we're talking about God. We're talking about the God of the universe. We're talking about a God that is holy. We're talking about a God that his holiness transcends his whole being. We're talking about a God whose holiness transcends the whole universe. We're talking about a God whose holiness transcends his attributes. Everything about him is holy. Systematic theology. My class knows that. <laughs> Transcending holiness of God. And you don't, you don't, you're not flipping about that. You don't handle that with, oh, I don't really, it really don't matter. God's not going to do anything. I mean, that was yesterday. That's not today. I mean, this whole Bible, I mean, it's historical. It really doesn't live today, does it? Or does it? How do we approach the word of God today? Do we believe that what God said in his word is applicable today? I'm here to tell you that it is. And when God said what he's going to do, he's going to do it. It's going to happen. <clears throat> well, the Ephesus church wasn't that way. They persevered in carrying the truth of God's word. They did not deviate from it. They endured. And then the word for endurance there is Hoop om ane. It means that they endured evil. They endured the evil that came from Diana. They endured the, all the different wickedness that was around them. They didn't allow that wickedness to influence them. They didn't cause that. They didn't allow that wickedness to help them be a church today that the churches are today. Compromising. Compromise with the world today so that we can fit in. Hey, I don't want to fit in. I won't be different. That's what the word of God is, is that it's different. That's the reason why we are Christians and that's the reason why they hate us. Because we're Christians. 
people coming along and patting you on the back and saying, man, I tell you what, you're one of the greatest guys I've ever seen. Let's go out to the bar and get ourselves a drink and say, yeah, I'll be there in just a little bit. Oh, by the way, did you know Jesus? Not much of an influence there, is it? None at all. So they didn't become weary. They were just people that did that, and they did it for my name's sake. Well, what does that mean, my name's sake? Well, let me read some verses of Scripture to you. In Matthew 24, 9. Pay close attention to who we are representing ourselves to. In Matthew 24, 9. Then they will deliver you. Man, my time is fleeing by. Great day. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, I just looked at my watch and I saw, whoa. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated of all, what? Nations. Nations. Because of my name. Look at Luke 21, 12. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogue and prisons, bring you before kings and governors, For my name's sake. Uh, For my name's sake? Hmm. Interesting thought there. Keep it. John 15, 21. But all things, but all these things, they will do to you for my name's sake. For my name's sake. They will, who's, who's they? Who are they that's doing these things? It's the nation's. It's the world. These verses, all three of them, are dealing with the nations, the world. They're talking about us being brought before the world. And what he's saying to us is don't do something that causes them to blaspheme my name. Don't do something that deviation from the word of God. Don't do it. You say, oh, but they got me. I mean, they're fixing to send me to prison. And the tendency is to say, hey, listen, hey, guys, hey, I, I, I don't really believe that stuff. You know, I don't, I don't believe that stuff. Don't cause them to blaspheme me. Ezekiel 28 to 9. But they they rebelled against me and were not willing, they as Israel, were not willing to listen to me. They did not cast away the detestable things of their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I resolved to pour out my wrath on them, to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. Now notice verse 9. 
but I acted for the sake of my name. I acted for the sake of my name. I was not willing for my name to be blasphemed. So therefore, I punish these people so that God, so that the people of the world will know that I am holy. I'm holy. I will not. He says, then it should not be profaned in the sight of nations. In other words, my name should not be profaned in the sight of nations among whom they lived and whose sight I made myself known to them by bringing them out of Egypt. Hmm. Notice Romans 2, 23 to 24. You who boast in the law, should your breaking the law, do you honor God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles, or nations, because of you. Just as it is written in Ezekiel 36, 21, But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. Is God concerned about his name? Is God willing for his holy name to be deviated from the truth? Oh, but just a little thing of poles and the rings of an ark. Yeah, but that's the way God said that it ought to be. Oh, but there's so many things in God's word that we really, I mean, it's, it's tradition. Well, I won't get into those things. But the point being, is that we look at the word of God and we read it many times. We read it with our pen knives. Huh. Well, that doesn't really matter right here. And we just take that out. Well, that doesn't apply to me either. Well, I'll just take that out. Who are you, old man, that you should answer to me? Has not the potter power over the clay? Can I not mold you the way I want you to be molded? Are you one who stands before the nations and are you going to honor my name? Well, the Ephesus church did do that. They honored the name of Christ and Jesus commended them for it. Now, you may say, what more about this do I need to know? Well, just wait and I'll tell you. But first of all, we need to look at the condemnation. What were they condemned for? Condemned of no devotion and loving the Lord. Not loving the Lord. It says that. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Hmm. 
Do you realize that that phrase is only used one time in all of Scripture? One time. But do you know that the principle of that one phrase is throughout the Word of God? You say, preacher, can you prove that? Yes, you just wait and see. I'll prove it to you. The Greek word for left is aphiemi. What it means is to abandon. To abandon the fellowship that you have with Jesus Christ on a continual basis. Well, let me, let me suggest something to you. <clears throat> Could it possibly be that you abandoned it because you forgot? I forgot. I was supposed to spend time with the Lord this morning. I forgot. I got involved in other things and I forgot to spend time with God. Do you realize you can get in a habit of forgetting? And get in a habit of continually forgetting? That's serious. Devotion, devotion, devotion. It's all about devotion. Devoting yourself to him first and foremost. May I suggest some things? Uh, We were discussing this on the way. My wife asked me, she says, "Do do you have some points that's going to help people know how to devote themselves? And I said, yes. In fact, there are five. But I want to suggest this to you. I'm, I'm not saying that because I said it, therefore it's right. You know, it works for me. But it may not work the same for you. Okay? So I just make this a suggestion to you. I suggest that, number one, that you sing to him. You said, do you you sing, pastor? Do you sing to the Lord? Yes, I do, and I can't carry a tune. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, there was four of us standing around, and we were just singing, you know. And this person was singing and playing the piano. And finally she stopped and she turned and she looked right at me and she said, would you please not sing? And I said, why? She says, because you're throwing me off. (laughs) And so I said, okay, I'll sit here and listen to you play and sing. I, I can't carry a tune. I can carry a tune to a certain degree, but I don't know whether I'm carrying the tune or whether I'm not. But you know something? God is blessed. Because I come to him with a heart that I want to sing to him. And God says, I've received that. And he doesn't say, you can't carry a tune, son. Just don't sing to me. But he said, sing to me. Why does he want me to sing to him? I'm going to give you two reasons. Number one, it's praising God. God wants me to praise him. You say, well, what we do that as a corporate body of Christ. We don't sing to him on a personal basis, do we? I do. Because it's praise. But I'm going to tell you another reason why. 
Do you believe in demons? Do you believe that demons want to keep you from having a devotional time with God? (laughs) Have you ever started praying and all of a sudden all these thoughts came through your mind? (laughs) Yeah? Mm -hmm. Now I'm guilty. But you know how I stopped it? I realized where the source was coming from. You know, the, the thought is, who put the thought there? If it didn't come from me, then who did it come from? Well, I'm going to tell you, there's some traveling demons that come by, and there's a neon light that's shining up there, and here's a guy who's trying to spend time with him. Oh, let's stop here and cause havoc. But you know, demons hate worship. They hate songs that honor the Lord. They can't stand it. And so if you start singing unto the Lord, they're, they're just saying, Oh, I can't stand it. Let's get out of here. Bye. Now I can enjoy worshiping. So I worship him in song. And it honors him, and I'm edified. Huh? Work for both of us, right? May I also suggest to you that you get on your knees and worship him. Get on your knees. Oh, well, you know, it's kind of hard for me to get up from my knees. And it's really hard for me to really get down there, too. Listen, it's no harder for you than it is for me. I've got two artificial joints, but I still get on my knees. You say, well, doesn't the floor hurt you? No, I put a cushion under them. (laughs) But I get on my knees to worship him. Every knee shall bow. Why not bow now? Why not just get on your knees now and worship him? Sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Third. I suggest you to read and study the word of God to know him. You know, we get into a thing where we work, that we study the word of God for information, for knowledge. But I'm suggesting to you that when you're trying to accumulate knowledge, that you learn about him. You see, when you know him better, the greater your love is going to be for him. And he's going to show you more and more things about who he is. You see, he loves you perfectly. His love never changes. But your love for him changes all the time. And as you grow in your relationship or your fellowship with him, then that, that growth that you have with him begins to help you think and know of his love for you and you being able to experience more and more and more and more of his love. And you want to know what I found out? I found out that when I love the Lord more, I love my wife more. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. I'll talk to you about that more. And the fifth thing is be faithful. There are some times that you really don't feel like getting with God. 
But do it anyhow. Do it anyhow. And you may get up from it and you say, well, I really got anything done from it. But be faithful to do it. Continue to be faithful. And as you're faithful to get on your knees, if you're faithful to spend time with him, eventually God is going to break through some of that hard shell that you have and he's going to begin to start showing you some things and give you some insights in his word he's going to bless you and there's going to be where you're going to be like a little angel just flipping along through the through uh, through the day because man god just blessed you so much Our devotion. Now, listen. This I really want you. This is this is reason why God says that we're to love Him, and I want you to catch this point very, very much so. Because see, when you get with God, there's a flowing ex- experience. There's something that flows down from the head, which is Jesus. It flows down through you and into the body of Christ. You say, prove it. Oh, yes, thank you. John seven thirty seven to 38. Now, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Anybody remember another passage of scripture that said that? Matthew 5, 6. Those that are hunger and thirst after me shall be satisfied. Hmm. He who believes in me, as the scriptures said, as the scriptures said, honoring the scriptures, honoring the word of God, believe. From his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Innermost being will flow. Which is speaking of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm, what I'm saying to you here is that when you get with the head, when you get with the Lord and you're a loving relationship, what happens is that there is a downward flow. It's kind of like a, tr- a river that starts in the top of the mountain and it begins to flow on down. And before it gets to the very bottom, it's a mighty rushing river. And when it goes up here and it begins to flow on down, Jesus is saying that you need to love me. But if you love me, You're going to love the body. If you love me, then there's going to be a flowing of his love by the Spirit of God to the body of Christ. And see, if you love others by the Spirit of God, that is agape love. That's kind of a love whereby you're not offended. You show me a church that has a bunch of folks that are offended, and I will show you a bunch of babies. But you show me a church that loves the Lord and are not offended with one another. 
I'll show you a church that is mature in the things of God. I'll show you a church that truly loves one another. I'll show you a Philippian church. You know, you read the first chapter of Philippians and you'd get a pretty good grip on how these people loved each other. They loved each other very much. And that love flowed down from them, through them, and it flowed on to Paul. He couldn't keep them from giving. He couldn't keep them from loving. The fruits just flowed out of them. Folks, we're not talking about the flesh. We're talking about walking in the Spirit. He said, well, how do I walk in the Spirit? I just got finished telling you. (laughs) That's how you do it. It's the flowing of the life that flows down through us into the body of Christ. Now, let me share four things that this flowing does. The flowing, the flowing of it is the flowing of life. Have you walked into a church and it was dead? I mean, you can just sense it was dead. You're afraid to sing out too loud because you'll scare up those that are dead. you can sense that there's life people who are alive can't help but saying well you're new here well, let me tell you about it. let me I mean it's just a life that's flowing within the body you feel the life amongst everybody else there's, there is life there that's the flow of the spirit of God It can't be done in the flesh. None of this can be mustered in the flesh. Psalms 119, 159, it says, See how I love your commandments, O Jehovah, according to your loving kindness. Give me life. 1 John 3, 14, We know that we have passed from death to life. Wow. If you love your brother... If you don't love your brother, you're dead. There's, there's nothing in you. I, you know, folks, I, I took a church and I found out after I took the church, they had a business meeting and they threw psalm books at each other. And you know what I preached on for a solid year? I preached on love. But before I started preaching, I said, Lord God, what did you get me into? It turned out to be one of my better churches to pastor. God's grace really worked fine. It wasn't because of me. It was because of him and his word. 1 John 3.16 By this we have known the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for others. He's not talking about dying. He's talking about living. 
He's talking about, he's talking about putting them first. There are some folks in a generation, I don't know what generation that's called. What do you call that, Connie? Where they want me. You take care of me. What's, what generation is that? They've been calling millennials. Millennials. It's, it's progressively growing. Yeah. Me. Me. Take care of me. I really don't care about you. You take care of me. That's, that's, that, those are true. That's, that's happening. Lord forbid we have a bunch of church members that are millennials. You won't get anywhere. Self-centered. Egotistical. Mm. Second thing, this flowing, this, the, the flowing down, and I'm going to have to hurry up because my time is getting away. It's the flowing of the Spirit of God is the fruit. You can't not, you cannot make fruit in the flesh. You can't do it. You can't, you can't love, joy, peace, have long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in the flesh. Not possible. It's only by the Spirit of God. And that's what flows down through you. You love people and you have peace with them. Living water, what he's talking about that comes through us. He says it's a devotion, abiding in him. You know what Jesus said about abiding? He said that you can't do anything. You can't do nothing unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Living water is the commandment of God where you put God first, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the first and second commandment. That's loving God. That's it flowing through. Now let me bring these two verses together and answer the question that I asked you in the beginning. When we talk about the first classification of in my name's sake, the, these are two classifications of people. The in my name's sake is a classification of the nations. They are the people whereby they're outside of the church. And those are the people that God's saying, I don't want you to cause them to blaspheme my name. Why? Because I want them to know the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I want them to know who I am. I want them to know that I'm the holy God. I want them to know that. So don't you do things that will cause them to blaspheme my name. And that's one of the reasons why. He says, in my name's sake, it's for the nations. And that's what Ephesus Church did, and they're very good at it. They didn't cause the world to blaspheme God. 
And you say, why, well, you know, I mean, why are you being so harsh? I mean, wait, shoot, I, I don't do anything to cause God's name to be blasphemed. I just live the way I want to. Well, is the way you live the way you want to? Is it according to scripture? Well, you know, not really. Then you're causing God to be blasphemed as long as you say, I go to this such and such a church, or I'm a Christian, or as you try to present yourself to be a Christian, and then you don't live for the glory of God, that blasphemes his name. I like to refer to it as this way. The world has the right to judge us. You say, well, how do you mean by that? They had the right to judge us as to whether or not we really truly love one another and to whether or not we have unity. You know what we do, like fishermen? We, what we do is that we set our nets on the rocks and we mend them. We're supposed to mend them. But what it is is that we hang our net out there and the world passes by and they go, <laughs> they've got holes all in their net. How are they going to catch fish with a holy not a holy, H-O-L-E, a holy net. Well, the fish are going to get out of the net. And see, that's the kind of churches that they see today is they see churches with nets on the outside of their churches that have a bunch of holes in them. That netting is supposed to mesh together and everybody's supposed to be loving one another. And so when the world sees that love meshing together, they say, what is going on with that church? How is it that they love one another? I've got to know about this. It's like a burning bush. I need to turn to the side to find out what's going on here. Is it true? Yes. And very quickly, he commences his judgment upon them. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do these and do the deeds you did at first. What is the deeds that they did at first? They did them when they were new Christians and they did them because they loved the Lord and they were doing all these things because they, they, they had that vigor. Man, I'm a Christian. Hey, God, you, are you a Christian? Wow. Let me tell you about, man, they were so excited about Christ. That's what happens when we become born again believers and the fruits that you did at first. Then it becomes old hat. I'm not so excited about it anymore. Or else I'm coming to you and remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Boy, that's pretty harsh. God's serious about this. Because he knows that it's not only for your edification, but it's for the church's edification, and it's also for the world's. Because if the, if the Spirit of God is flowing through you, it's flowing into the body, and it's flowing out of the church into the world. And the world begins to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Our country has been so saturated with the gospel but they have not been saturated with an example of walking out of the gospel. 
Let me just say one thing, and I'm going to close. I know preachers say that, and they, that's not a good thing, I know. But, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, it says remove. Now, I, I, that, that word caught my attention. The word is kineho. We get our English word, orthokinetics. Has anybody heard of orthokinetics? What it is is taking muscles and moving the muscles around the joint so that they can protect the joint. You know what God's saying? They got this word from the very definition of canal. Because the canal means that God stirs and he starts moving the body around. And so what he's doing is he's not just taking them out. He's moving them around. He's putting them into other different locations. Why would God take out members of the church that are alive? Because if he leaves them too long in there, they will become dead. So he moves them. He says you, singular. Singular, which means individuals and bodies. Hey, we thank you once again for joining us. We pray that this message would serve to edify you. And we say goodbye until next time. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Until next time.